from the beautiful Pacific Northwest, across the nation, and around the world, you are about to finally learn how to lose weight joyfully. It's time to get wasted with Renee. Live with Renee Steelman on TalkZone.com. Hey, hey, I am going to break the mold. I am going to break the thing that I say every week on the show, which is what a beautiful day it is in the Pacific Northwest. And why am I doing that, you may ask? Because I am not in the Pacific Northwest. I am on the East Coast, and I'm actually in New York City, which is my home away from home. This is where I would really like to live if I could. Um, but unfortunately, uh, I don't think that would work with six children and 15 grandchildren very well. But it is a beautiful day in New York City. So I don't know. For some reason, these Thursdays, it always seems to be a beautiful day. And what's going to make this day even more beautiful is my guest, because my guest today is Miyoko Shinner. And I can't wait to talk to her, and I can't wait to introduce her to you. And I hope that I am finding all of you today plant-based, productive, and positive, because that's the way we should start out every day. And I have to tell you, I am staying in the Upper West Side of New York, and as I walk down the streets, the vegan restaurants that I have access to here, like I just ran out of my hotel very quickly to grab some lunch, and um, I found a really cute little little place called Blossom Du Jour. I'll have to ask Miyoko if she's eaten there. Just a little tiny place that you could jump in and get a salad or a wrap or some, you know, fresh pressed juices or something like that. About a block up the street from that. There is another little vegan restaurant, which is where I had dinner last night. I had a great um, tomato lentil soup, and I had a, a little sandwich, which had, um, oh, sprouts and cucumbers and all of that stuff that everybody right now is going, Whoa. but it had a great tahini spread, which just, you know, and a great rye bread. It was really, really good. That's what I had for dinner. And, um, and then tomorrow night, I'm going to be going to Candle Cafe, which is the best place. I can't wait. And I'm I'm going to be hooking up with a mutual friend of uh, Miyoko and I. We have a mutual friend, which is the best bakery chef in the world, Fran Costigan. I've had her on the show. And uh, anyway, it's all good. It's all wonderful. So I want to introduce uh, Miyoko to all of you. Um, she is amazing. She's one of these people that if you think you've accomplished a lot in your life, you're going to listen to her resume and you're going to be going, oh yeah, I didn't do anything. I can't believe it. I mean, she is the author of uh, more than three cookbooks because I know she has a new cookbook that's just coming out. She um, She's had a restaurant. She's had a natural food program. She's been on um, Different shows, she has provided food products for, you know, nationwide services as well as United Airlines. She's a former contributor to Vegetarian Times and has been featured on NPR's Marketplace, um, New York Post, ABC World News Tonight, Washington Post, yada, yada, yada. I mean, it's amazing. She's taught vegan cooking for audiences large and small, and she's currently teaching in the McDougal program. She has a program on, um, uh, public, a public radio, a public television network. I'll ask her more about that. Um, so she's just amazing. So and rather than have me just go on and on, let's get Miyoko on the show, and I will let her tell you about her fabulous life. Miyoko, are you there? I am here. Hello, Renee. Thanks for having Hi. me. Hi. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, I was just speaking with Fran the other day, and you were out here for some Veg Fest stuff. Is that correct? Out in New York? Yeah. Yeah, I was actually en route. Um, I, I stopped off in New York and I uh, got to stay with Fran for a couple of days, which is fantastic. I was on my way to Cornell, actually, for the Ivy League Vegan Conference, uh, where I was giving a talk about vegan businesses and the future of vegan cheese. And so um, it was a perfect opportunity for me to stop in New York. We had a couple of small events there, including the launch of a uh, – we participated in the launch of a vegan fashion magazine that's coming out called La Fashionista, Compassionista. They had their launch party, and my company, Miyoko's Kitchen, which is a maker of artisanal vegan cheese, was a sponsor. We donated cheese there at that event. Um, and then wow. Fran and I, through our own event, um, 
for a vegan Italy tour that we're both going on later in uh, the summertime. We're going at different times, but it's uh, a great, well, I can talk more about that later. So we threw that event too. And of course, it's just always fantastic to see France. And I love oh my gosh. Too. I used to live there. Yeah, it's a great place. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I'm so glad you reminded me about the vegan uh, tour that you have coming up to Italy. And I was so bummed when I looked at the schedule and I saw that you were, well, you know, one week and Fran was the other week. Because I'm like, no, I want to go the whole I time. I'm I wish catch we could be on the same week, um, you know, because yeah. we have so much fun together. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's probably why they didn't put you on the on yeah. the same week. It's like, oh no, we, we cannot put these two else, together. Yeah. yeah, they'd be like, where are they? Nobody's showing up. It's like, oh, they were partying yeah. together. We don't know yeah. where they turned up. But actually, Stan and I are going to be on an Alaskan cruise in September. So that's oh. going to be fun. That's another. It's another event uh, put on by a company called um, Vegan Vacation at Sea, and they launched their um, inaugural cruise in the Caribbean this past. Uh, this past fall, and I was uh, honored to be a part of that, along with vegan black metal chef, the vegan zombie, Ethan Moskowitz, and Jason Robel, and eco-vegan gal. So we were the so-called, you know, vegan celebs that were on the cruise, and, and there were about 70 people on that cruise, so they, they it was so successful, they, they were doing an Alaskan cruise in the fall, in September, and this time, they're hoping to get 200 people, and they've already surpassed uh, 100 people who've signed up, so you know, the tickets are going very, very fast for that. So if you're interested in that, check out Vegan Vacation at Sea. Oh, I will. And I will Fran, because so I've been. Year, yeah, so Fran will be on that one. That's going to be so much fun. Okay, that is uh, because I've been telling my parents, I've been promising them uh, a cruise to uh, through Alaska for the last couple of years, and this oh. would be a wonderful opportunity. It will. Yeah, and so it launches out of your neck of the woods, out of Seattle. Now, where are you? Yeah. The Northwest? Well, I'm just right in Vancouver, just right across from Portland, okay. Oregon. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, we drive up to Seattle, and that's the great thing about the, uh, you know, living out there is because my parents, they don't fly very well, but, you know, being able to just drive up to Seattle and hop on the ship from there, uh, that makes it possible for them to do. Oh, that you would know. be perfect. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely and, uh, right there. How does that work? Like with the with the trip to Italy and the cruise to Alaska, um, do you, you know it's it's kind of like the the cruise ship is full of uh, people, regular people, and then you have like this separate area for all of the food and all of the meals and things like that that are strictly vegan. Is that how that works? That's exactly right. So they the the, the ship's been very very accommodating. It's um uh, it is um, Holland America. And they prepare oh, yeah. vegan meals just for us. We're, we're, we sit in a different area from everybody else. So all of the, the meals are vegan. They put on parties for us, wine tasting. We're going to do a wine and cheese tasting there use, featuring our cheeses, um, probably France chocolates. We do cooking demos, uh, meet and greet. Um, we have our own private events. It was The Caribbean trip was such a blast. Not only were you able to eat great vegan food, together, but you got to meet all these wonderful people and form all these alliances, and many friendships were born out of that cruise, and I'm sure from the next cruise, those friendships will get even, uh, those bonds will get even stronger, and you'll form new friendships as well. So it's a great opportunity. So that's got 200 people, but the vegan Italian trip is limited to only 24 people per week, and this is a week-long excursion through southern Italy uh, along the Amalfi Coast through Pompeii. We stay in a gorgeous five-star B&B, eat great vegan Italian food. We'll be doing cooking classes and that sort of thing. So I'm on the week of July 18th through 25th, and my co-host will be Matt Frazier, who is the no-meat athlete. So if you eat too much, you can go on a run with him. So it's going to be fantastic. Oh, my gosh. If you're interested in one of those two trips, you know, um, please check it out. Vegan, uh, the Italian trip is put on by um, Green Earth Travel, um, and it's called Vega, uh, Green Earth Travel and Tierno Tours. So please, okay. yeah, just Google those, check us out. And that has to be uh, so exciting for people because they probably don't think of Italian food and vegan Italian food, uh, you know, th- that it's even possible. Um, so what well, an exciting know, opportunity. It is, and you know what's, what's interesting is I don't know if you've been to Italy, but the, the further south you go, the more vegetable, legume, and grain dishes you encounter. And so, actually, in this part of Italy, about eighty percent of the food is naturally 
vegetable-based or vegan. So there's very little meat and cheese used anyway. So what they've done is just sort of add, you know, just extend it to a full 100% rather than just 80%. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's interesting that you would say that because we, my husband and I did go to Italy, but we were in northern Italy and, um, and yeah. we weren't that, we weren't really, you know, people travel and of course they're like, oh, the food. And I was, you know, we were both kind of like, I don't know. We weren't really that impressed with the food. And, uh, and there was a lot of cheese, you know, but I wonder if that, you're, you're right. I mean, that's a closer to Switzerland and, and Germany and all of that area up there. And so the farther south you go, interesting. Yeah, that's how it is. So northern Italy is very heavy on dairy and meat. And yeah. everything is in rich sauces. And, and then you go to southern Italy, that's where you find the bounty of legumes and vegetables. And the dishes are just radically different. Um, and wow. you know, the thing about Italian food that I love that resonates with me is that it celebrates the purity of the ingredients. So it uh-huh. really is where the eggplant sings through the dishes, just enhance with a touch of olive oil, garlic, and maybe tomatoes <sighs> or something. So it's really that, wow. you know, the, the, the ingredients are the star of the dishes. They're simple, they're, they're earthy, they're natural. Um, and, and yeah. that is what I find is the beauty of Italian, of, of good Italian cuisine. Right. And I like the way you say that too, because that's the beauty, I think, in, in general is the simpleness. I mean, that's the part that's gotten me so excited about eating this way is that it's taken all of the complicated parts out of using the meats and things like that. And it is really simple and the flavors just come through and all you're doing is accenting the natural flavors. And it's just been such an exciting journey for me. And that's exactly why you're right. Well, let's take a break, Miyoko, because I want to talk more in depth with you about your history and how you got started and all about your fabulous cheese and everything else. I love your new cookbook uh, that's coming out of uh, making your own staples. I can't wait to talk about that. So let's take a break and we'll come back with Miyoko Shinner. Welcome back. You're listening to Get Wasted with Renee on Talk Zone. Here's Renee Steelman. Hi, thanks for coming back, everyone. I am so excited to be talking with Miyoko today. And we left, we were talking about um, some things that she has coming up in the future. She has a great trip to um, Italy that she's going to be um, uh talking about her cheeses and her vegan cooking and she's going to be in the southern part on the Amalfi coast of Italy and then she's also going to be on a cruise uh in the fall to uh Alaska so has some wonderful things coming up in the future um Miyoko tell everyone I love hearing about people's um progression their biography how they got started and how they ended up doing what they do. And I know that um, you kind of made a stand when you were 12 years old and became vegetarian and your family was was not, you know, jumping up and down about that. Talk, tell everyone about your journey and how you got where you are today. Yeah, that's, that's essentially it. I was 12. I went on a camping trip with some vegetarians. When I came home, I, I suddenly made that connection between animals and food. And my mother put pork chops in front of me and for some reason, it didn't look like food anymore, and I just couldn't eat it. Um, and I just stopped eating meat overnight. Now, I wasn't a vegan at the time. I was just a vegetarian. And so I, you know, I spent years trying to get my protein from eggs and dairy. And until my mid-20s, when I was having a lot of abdominal issues, probably from all the dairy I was eating. And so when I gave up eating dairy products, my, most of my abdominal issues went away. I felt much better, less sluggish, et cetera. Um, and so it's, it's been a journey that has taken a long time. Um, for a long time, as I transitioned to veganism in my mid-20s, which was, you know, over 30 years ago, I um, actually cheated once in a while, and I would eat a little bit of cheese because I'd go to a party, and the brie and the camembert and the blue cheese just looked so good, and there was just no way I could resist, and I would just cave in, or that pizza parlor or whatever. I just couldn't resist. And so... At some point in my life, I felt, gee, I gotta come up with a very, very viable cheese alternative that will satisfy that craving, not only for me, uh, you know, when I want to have a little bit of wine and cheese, but for the thousands and thousands of other people that are also having trouble making that transition to a plant-based diet. Um, so that's 
sort of like the beginning and the end is, you know, I started out as a vegetarian and now here I am uh, with sort of a, the vegan cheese revolution queen or so I've been done this time. So. <laughs> Exactly. Well, yeah. now when you your your family um are you first generation uh Japanese American or um go ahead. I actually am. I was born in Japan and I uh immigrated when I was about 7 years old. Uh so okay. Japanese was my first language. Um and you know, I grew up eating rice and tofu, really. I mean, I didn't when I was in Japan, when I was living there, we didn't have milk. I didn't drink milk. Um there was no cheese. I never had cheese until I was eight years old. I re- I still remember to this day when I had my first slice of pizza. And I mm-hmm. went to a party, and I was so excited because I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to have pizza for the first time. Because I heard all these kids talking about pizza. I thought, oh, my God, this is it. This is the moment I'm going to become truly American. And I took a bite of that pizza, and as the grease dripped down my throat and down my mouth, I just about choked. And I thought, this is the most yeah. disgusting thing I have ever had. But yeah, I had a smile. You know, I just smiled and said, oh, it's very delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and it tasted good. It was awful. But, you know, I quickly yeah. learned to like it, just like everybody else. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you're yeah. exposed to something and you eat it often enough, you begin to like it. And, of course, pizza became one of my favorite foods. And was a, one of the hardest things for me to give up. You know, interestingly enough, tying it back into the Italy thing, traditionally pizza didn't have any cheese. Mm. Uh, and that's some, and, and if you go to Italy today, even in other parts of, you know, even in Rome, you go to a pizzeria, uh-huh. there's almost no cheese on it. There's mm-hmm. just a little touch of pizza. You know, you can take the cheese off. It's basically just fantastic crust and tomato sauce. And, and, and that alone is just worth eating. You don't really need cheese. It's really sort of an right. American thing, just, you know, the more cheese, the better. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's funny because I, I did the opposite. You know, I, I lived in, in Japan, just in, in Yokosuka for uh, oh. a couple of years. And yeah, and when I got there, I tasted sushi for the first time and thought, Ugh. but I don't know why, yeah. but for <laughs> some reason I thought I must I must make myself like this, and uh, now I love it, you know. So it's funny right, how right. we do that, you know. It's kind of when people, yeah, it's like did you, you taste something for the first time and you think, I, you know, my, I remember, you know, listening to my dad talk about when he had beer for the first time and how disgusting he thought it was, but he made himself <laughs> like it. And he's like, yeah. no, probably didn't need to do that. You know, that was okay. Yeah. So you, So your mother was Japanese then? Yes, my mother was Japanese, and when I became vegetarian, um, you know, I learned to cook for survival purposes. Um, she cooked for me for a short time, and then she finally said, you know, I'm not making two separate meals. You want to continue huh. this? You're on your own. <laughs> and but so now, did she transition? Years, I was with... like tw- yeah, it was, it was a, if I was thrown into it, so I was probably 12 and a half, 13, and it was like, if I wanted to eat, you know, something more than cereal, then I had to learn to cook. <laughs> So oh that's gosh. what I did. I learned to cook, and I and I learned to love cooking. And then yeah. I became fascinated with it, and and um, that's kind of how I got started in it. And then it was really when I transitioned to a vegan diet in my early to mid-20s that I completely mm-hmm. embraced the idea of cooking. Um, because by my mid-20s, I had developed a very, very rich appetite. I was actually back in Japan, living in Japan. And most people don't know this, but there are actually more Michelin-starred restaurants in Tokyo than in all of France. And ah. so Japan back in the 1980s was a hotbed of all kinds of culinary innovation. And I was doing everything I could to check out what the Japanese were doing. I mean, they had tasting menus in Japan when Americans in the 1980s, you know, thought French onion soup was like, you know, the, was yeah. cuisine. And exotic. Beyond that. It was just exotic. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in America back in the 1980s, no one even knew what a tasting menu was. But in Japan, you just wanted to... Every street corner had some sort of exotic French or nouveau cuisine or some sort of Euro-Asian type of restaurant going on and all kinds of innovation. And I just loved checking all this stuff out. And at the time, you know, I was eating lots of dairy. And actually for a few years when I returned to Japan, I started eating fish again because it was so hard to just not eat fish. It was in everything. And right. so that actually afforded me the opportunity to taste all these different kinds of food. Um, I still didn't eat, you know, anything that walked on four legs, we'll put it that way, or, mm-hmm. or fowl, but I did eat fish for a couple, a few short years. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so when I became, when I finally said, got to a point where I was having abdominal issues, and also I thought, wait a minute, where have my principles gone? Why am I eating animals again? Because fish mm-hmm. are, you know, still animals. And I thought, why am right. I doing this? And that's when right. I decided to go vegan. Um, I had developed a bit, an appetite for very rich foods, and I had to figure out a way to satisfy my cravings. So that's when I really started cooking seriously. And I just started experimenting and discovering ways to replicate those rich flavors using only plant-based ingredients such as nuts and, and produce. And I spent hours in my kitchen, and I started having these dinner parties every Friday night. I would invite people, and word spread, and people would bring people. And I would, my goal every single Friday night was to put a 10 to 12 course meal on the table. <gasps> oh my gosh. And I just immersed myself in that. And I wrote a cookbook in Japanese. I couldn't find a publisher in Japan at the time. I was going to open a restaurant in Japan, which never happened. Mm-hmm. And I eventually moved back to the United States, translated the book into my, into English and, uh, found my first publisher and, and, uh, my first cookbook was published in 1991. It was called The Now and Zen Epicure. Um, and there was a tagline, something about oh, gourmet cuisine for the enlightened palate. I think that was the, the, the subtitle. Um, oh, that's wonderful. So that was the first, one of the first, I would say, gourmet vegan cookbooks that hit the United States market. Um, so that's kind of how I, you know, really, really got immersed in cooking and writing cookbooks and teaching. Um, and from wow. then on, I, I opened a restaurant in San Francisco called Now and Zen. Um, and that eventually morphed into a natural foods manufacturing company um, and several other books. That's, so that's amazing. That's kind of, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, as far as culinary training goes, you're really pretty self-taught then. I am pretty self-taught. You know, uh, self-taught. Uh, actually, there's quite a few people that are self-taught. I also read lots of cookbooks, and one of my favorite authors was Julia Child, and I literally tried to make every recipe in the, you know, in the, um, the art of French cuisine. I just went through it. It didn't matter if it had meat or eggs or dairy. I read the recipe. I learned the technique. I learned how to make a demi. Or I, I went through, you know, I'm kind of, I like to think in sort of certain terms of food science. I would read a recipe and go, okay, what can I do to replicate that using plant-based ingredients? Um, uh-huh. But a lot of the techniques I garnered from um, French cookbooks. And, you know, I didn't read vegan cookbooks or vegetarian cookbooks in the 1980s. Right. I mean, there were a, a yeah. handful of them, but they were very, very right. limited. Mostly right. probiotic or, you know, mm-hmm. tofu cookie, cooking. Um, and there were cookbooks in the 1980s. Louise Hagler had a, um, a classic called a Tofu Cookery, which was a fantastic cookbook. But in terms mm-hmm. of embracing uh, techniques that were, were employed by, let's say, um, classically trained chefs like French cuisine, you know, there weren't any. And so... I felt the best way to give myself a culinary education was by reading French cookbooks. That's what I did. Um, yeah. So I do, I specialize, that's what I specialize in. I specialize in, in more or less French and Italian, more classical cuisine. Mm-hmm. I think that's so amazing. And I think it's, um, it's a lost skill that I, I'm sorry to see, you know, go in, in the United States, especially is the, uh, the idea of, um, you know, perfecting a skill, uh, doing more of an internship by replicating, uh, a, a skill or a talent that you have and become a, becoming a professional through repetition and, and, you know, try, try again and reading what's, and we have so much information available to us. In fact, I was just watching a program today. They've got all of these little schools that are popping up that are charging, you know, Twenty and thirty thousand dollars for people to take a class on how to become a truck driver, or, you know, things that people used to just pick up by, <laughs> right. you know, their dad showing them, or they would go to work somewhere, and then there would be an intern program where they would learn the yeah, skill by actually, yeah, yeah exactly, apprenticeship, yeah. exactly, and that's what you did. You learned your skill by doing it, and that's right, that's right. Over the years, yeah, I mean, it took a, a while to hone those skills. Um, mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, it's true. People will go to culinary school now. But, you know, in the old days, you just went into a restaurant kitchen. And I did work in restaurant kitchens, so I should, you know, add, add that, too. 
Um, right. so you, you went into a kitchen and you learned. You watched and you repeated and you just practiced, and that's kind of how you learn things, you know. So, exactly. Um, yeah. Well, now, and talk about your your cheese is amazing, and I love watching some of your um, your videos because the thought of melting your cheeses down and using them as sauces. I when I was watching those, I was like. Oh my gosh! Why didn't I think of that? That is amazing. Because especially the oh. one that you showed the mushroom with the sautéed mushrooms, and I was like, Oh, oh I, I, my husband, my cheese addicted husband, I can't wait to go home and do this for him. So talk about your your fabulous artisan cheeses and how that all came about. So years ago, um, you know, I've been playing around with vegan cheeses for years. Because as I mentioned earlier, I was a total cheeseaholic, and that was the hardest thing for me to give up. That's what kept me from going completely vegan for several years. And I just had a very difficult time making that transition. Um, so I had, even though I had sort of gotten over my craving for cheese, I had always felt that at some point in my life I would develop some very viable cheeses. I was so excited when all these alternative vegan cheeses came on the market. But most mm-hmm. of them, as, you know, if you've had experience with them, they, you know, sometimes they taste like plastic or they're not made in a traditional cheese manner. They're made in a laboratory by combining fats and starches and adding flavorings to them. So mm-hmm. they're not made in a cultured, aged fashion as traditional dairy cheese. And because of that, when you taste them, sometimes you can taste that sort of artificial, unnatural flavor or the texture is a little plasticky or waxy mm-hmm. or whatever. It just doesn't have... It doesn't hit the right notes. You don't achieve the same degree of sharpness or funkiness. You know, those funky umami notes, um, the sharpness, tanginess, the things that we associate with really finely crafted cheeses. Um, mm-hmm. You just don't find those in the, you know, the, the sort of plasticky vegan alternatives. So I really wanted to create truly artisanal cheeses that rival their dairy counterparts by borrowing from dairy techniques but using plant-based ingredients. So I spent, I started experimenting with it a number of years ago, and that culminated in the publishing of my book, Artisan Vegan Cheese, in 2012, where I thought, okay, you know, this is, I'm going to show people how to do it in their own kitchen. Um, so you start out with various nuts, for the most part, and you culture them, which means that you add some sort of culturing agent. In the case of my book, um, it's, predominantly something called rejuvelac, which is a probiotic beverage you can make by fermenting grains. Mm. It's easily done in your home kitchen. I wanted to provide something that a home cook could do. And then you can make a cheese in a few days. Um, and sometimes you can age it in your own kitchen, and that might take a few more days or so. But I wanted to make right. something that would be replicable in a home kitchen. Um, and, um, but, you know, but... Almost none of the cheeses in there are instant. In other words, if you go into your kitchen, um, you're not going to, most of the recipes you're not going to be able to produce in 20 minutes. You're going to have to, there's not a lot of hands-on time involved. It's five minutes here, five minutes there. But you have to wait, you know, a couple of days between each step. And so what happened was was, the the book became very, very popular. It became a hit. A lot of vegans were, oh, my God, we can do this. But then there were a lot of vegans that said, oh, my God, we can do this. But it's such a hassle, Miyoko. just make your... (laughs) You know, can't you just make the cheese and sell it to us? Because I love your book. But... <laughs> and so eventually, um, I thought, hey, why not? You know, I mean, there's, why not just do it ourselves? So what we've done yeah. is done it ourselves, except for we've done it better because we're not a home kitchen and we can take steps that most home kitchens can't take, which means that we use proprietary cultures that are different for each cheese that changes the flavor profile of each cheese slightly. And then not only that, we add, we've built the state-of-the-art aging room where some of the cheeses, um, we have fresh and aged cheeses, but the aged cheeses are actually aged just like dairy cheeses um, for a, for several weeks um, or sometimes even longer. We have cheeses that we've aged for six months that get really, really hard and gradable, just like Parmesan or something. And during the aging process, they develop more complex flavor notes and they achieve a more sliceable, hard consistency. Um, so it's just it's we've tried to replicate all of those uh, those dairy techniques uh, in a plant-based manner, and to provide a variety of flavors and textures that will give you a full palate for your cheese board. So you can have a wine and cheese party now, and have 
um, you know, a cheese that rivals um, something like a Gruyere and, and another one that rivals a sharp cheddar, a sharp, good sharp English cheddar, another one that's like a smoked Gouda, another one, you know, that's like a, a, a winter truffle brie of sorts. So um, there's a huge range of, of flavors and textures that we have developed at Miyoko's Kitchen. Um, and they're available for sale online at miyokoskitchen.com. And they are now becoming available through uh, major retailers like Whole Foods in certain areas. Um, we're in Northern California, um, and we're just now getting into the Pacific Northwest and Southern California. And we'll be spreading on throughout, yeah, through the rest of the yeah. country over the next year. Oh, see, I, that was going to be my next question because I ordered your cheese uh, for Thanksgiving and for Christmas. I had a nice cheese spread to go along with everything else that was going on. And um, But I'm so bad at ordering things online. I'm just the type of person that just wants to get in my car and go get whatever it is I want. And um, so that was going to be my next question. So you, So maybe Whole Foods up in the Pacific Northwest pretty soon? Yeah, yeah. Um, whole Foods will probably be a little bit later on because they have uh-huh. a, a whole process you have to go through. Um, mm-hmm. But we will be in various stores throughout North uh, Pacific Northwest um, come, uh, very soon. Um, so we have a distributor up there already, so we're just uh, filtering into stores. I think they're already available at a couple of stores. Um, I know uh-huh. Ashland Food Co-op's going to have it in the next few weeks, and uh, they'll be... Um, a bunch of other stores as well, too. So you can... Um, oh, that's exciting. Our website isn't always up to date on store availability, but just keep checking with your local natural grocery store or ask them, hey, are you guys going to be carrying Yoko's Kitchen cheeses? Yeah, I will. I will. Uh, because, I mean, really, the um, the Pacific Northwest, there's so many wonderful places, and, and there's definitely a, a need. You're exactly right when you talk about, you know, there a lot of the whole idea of eating a plant-based diet the um, complication as far as time, like you say, they're not, you know, the recipes are fairly easy, but it's the time that people are like, I don't have time to make this, to, you know, do this and do that. And so we try to, we try to stress so much, you know, doing as much batch cooking and prepping that you can ahead of time. But people nowadays, I think, you know, since the invention of fast food, we kind of all want things fast and now. So um, ingenious, absolutely ingenious. So well, that's, talk that's about, true. yeah. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. And I know that your new book. You have you launched your new book yet? The art of making your own staples. The uh, yeah, um, the homemade vegan pantry. The art of making your own staples is set to be released on June sixteenth. Um, the publisher is Ten Speed Press, which is an imprint of Landon House, and it's a beautiful full color hard um, hard copy hard cover book. Um, so it will be coming out. It's available for pre-order right now on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and online booksellers. Um, it will be available everywhere where books are sold, according to Random House. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's a book. I, I know you were just talking about fast food, and you're absolutely right. And I love fast food, too. Um, or actually, no, I love slow food. You know, there's the whole slow food movement. But I love it fast. Yeah. And that's what this book is about. I know it sounds like... It's actually counterintuitive to think, make your own staples? What does that mean? That, does that mean I have to spend more time in the kitchen? Well, yes and no. So, for example, yeah. um, I bake a birthday cake for everyone at Miyoko's Kitchen when it's their birthday. And how is it I have time to do that when I work all the time? Well, the reason I'm able to do it is because I always have a big batch of my cake mixes in my pantry. So it takes me five minutes to put together several pounds of a cake mix. And then it sits in my pantry. So I have these recipes in my book for cake mixes that you can make at home that are all vegan and natural and, and fairly healthful. And you just stick, stick them in your pantry. So next time, you know, your kid wants some cookies or needs some brownies or needs a cake, you just pull out your cake mix and you mix it with some non-dairy milk. And the next thing you know, you know, um, you've got a bake from, a bake, bake from scratch cake that right. you made yourself in 30 seconds. So there's all kinds of tricks in there where you might spend five minutes in the kitchen making something and then you have an instant mix or you have butter or you have ketchup or you have a meat substitute that um, you made yourself on a Sunday afternoon and anytime you need to have, you know, vegan chicken or vegan steak or whatever, there it is in your freezer to pull out 
and add it to your favorite dish. So you can make dinner in a hurry. Um, wow. So that's, that's what this book is about. It's like, how do you make all those staples that you would normally just go buy at the store? Well, here's right. how. Um, you know, one recipe that I think is really fun is uh, people like Kraft macaroni and cheese in a box, and there was just a huge recall for that, as you know, because there were aluminum bits or something, some metal bits and Kraft macaroni oh, and cheese, and they just had that huge recall. Well, here's how you make your own macaroni and cheese mix. It takes about five minutes in your blender, and then you have enough to make, um, you know, macaroni and cheese for your kids whenever they want a quick afternoon snack. Right. So it's a little mix that you keep in your pantry, and then you boil the pasta, and you add the mixture and some water, just like you would with, you know, boxed macaroni and cheese. So yeah. it's, it's yeah. the recipes like that. They're kind of fun. They're innovative. Um, and then there's also a lot of recipes where you don't waste anything. For example, um, if you make a veggie stock, I have very specific recipes for veggie stock in there. So I have one called Got No Beef Broth. So you make your <laughs> beef broth, and then you've got your, you know, you, how you make a, a, a vegetable stock, and you have all those vegetables left over, and it's like, now what do I do with them? And you throw them away. Yeah. So you take those vegetables, those spent vegetables, and I have a recipe to turn them into homemade veggie dogs. So you've got your own homemade veggie hot dogs that you can make. You've got wow. your dog and you've got veggie dogs out of it. So there's, it's like a no-waste cookbook. Like, so, the, so you make the effort to make something, but you get not only one recipe out of it, you get two or three out of it. And there's little ways and it, you know, increased efficiency, and it's all homemade, and you know where your food is coming from. Yeah, exactly. That's the biggest thing. That That is so genius because I remember – now, I don't have my dates, but I remember – when the whole Bisquick thing came out. It must have been in the 60s at some point when Bisquick was invented. And, you know, these mothers, they thought that this was like manna from heaven. I mean, they were, there were recipes out there, how, you know, because now you had Bisquick that had all of these ingredients and you didn't, ha- all you had to do was add water or whatever, you know, the pancake and stuff like that. And, you know, it didn't, it didn't take women, if anybody watches Mad Men, it, it didn't take women very long to jump on the fast food you know, wagon because um, it was so time consuming. I mean, I remember when my family and I went camping for the first time and the last um, because it was like, all I'm doing is cooking and cleaning up. This is insane. I mean, you spend your whole day cooking breakfast, that's cleaning right. up and then getting ready. And that's what mothers used to have to do. That's what we did. We were in the kitchen constantly preparing for the next meal. And so when fast food and things like macaroni and cheese boxed and the best quick came out, mm-hmm. women were like, thank you. I need a life, you know. So That's you're right. right. Yeah. Well, and I yeah. have some, I have, I have an equivalent of this quick in there. So oh. I have, I have two different kinds of pancake mix. Um, there's the classic one and then there's the gluten-free buckwheat one. And so you, you spend Five minutes making your mix, and you store it in your pantry, and every Sunday morning when you want to have pancakes, you pull it out and mix it with some milk, and you got pancakes. Or you can turn it into waffles, or you can bake muffins out of it, or you can make um, biscuits out of it. Oh, so my gosh. It's, you know, so instead of baking from scratch every single time, you just right. make it once, and you keep it, and then you've got your, your own homemade mix that you can turn into all these different things. Right, right. And that is, and, and there's something like, as you say, uh, comforting about looking at that mason jar on your shelf and knowing exactly what's in there. I know in the Get Wasted program, the, sh- uh, the chef has a seasoning that she calls Chicky Baby Seasoning. And, you know, it takes the place of whatever kind of a um, lemon salt thing that you would buy off the store. This takes the place of that, and she uses it in a lot of the different recipes. But when I use that, I know exactly what I'm putting into whatever recipe I'm doing because I made it. And so you're right. I mean, the the joy of having a cake mix, knowing exactly what's in that cake mix because I made it, but it was made ahead of time, so I'm saving myself a lot of time. That's beautiful. Yes, yeah. yeah Which so means- I really do want to get people back in the kitchen. And, and to take the fear out of it and let them know that, you know, hey, it really isn't that hard. And you don't have to spend that much time in it. I mean, I'm really busy and I have less and less time now to cook than ever. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, because I, I can rely on a bunch of these pantry items, you know, I can put a meal together or, um, or a recipe together, you know, whether it's a cake or whatever in, in a jiffy. And, and the other thing I wanted to add was not, not just the book, but the cheeses that we developed here at Miyoko's Kitchen 
also served that purpose. We wanted to develop cheeses that could replicate dairy cheese in being able to enhance your daily cooking. So these are cheeses that you can actually cook with. You can grate them and put them over pasta or into a risotto or, you know, grate some of the smoked farmhouse um, cheese over your chili. So these are all cheeses that will add flavor and enhancement to all of your food. Right. And that's what people say that they miss. That's why people say, oh, I could never do that. I couldn't give up my, you know, when I, when I have made my vegan chili, you know, my husband loves it, but then he's looking around for the sour cream and the grated cheese and everything else that people put on it. And, and like, you're right. The cheese that's, you know, because I was introduced to the plant-based world, uh, from a, with the get wasted program, I, you know, I was right into eating whole foods. And so I didn't even know that a lot of these fake foods were out there. So when people would talk about the fake bacon and the fake hot dogs and the fake cheese, I was like, where's that? What's that all about? So I tried a couple of them and I was like, exactly what you said. It was like, yuck and yuck. This stuff tastes like plastic and it just literally slid off my pizza. And and it's not real food. I mean, Mm -mm. you know, what we want as vegans, what we, I think what we're all working towards is to get people not just off of meat and dairy, but really to right. get them on a low-fat, plant-based diet, a whole exactly. food plant-based diet, to get them exactly. to eat real food. And right. so you want to have control over that. You don't want to have, you know, fake foods, foods made in the right. laboratory. You want foods that are made in your kitchen. Yeah, you exactly. Know that, or can, can be made in a kitchen that are made from whole plant foods. Um, so the more control you have over that, the healthier you're going to be. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's take another break, Miyoko, and then when we come back, I want to talk just briefly about your family, and um, and then we'll just conclude this wonderful talk. Thank you. Welcome back. You're listening to Get Wasted with Renee on Talk Zone. Here's Renee Steelman. Hi, thanks for coming back with me. Today I have as my guest Miyoko Shinner. And uh, Miyoko and I were talking about the joy of having some basic items in your pantry that will allow you to make some quick food for your family, uh, but you're still using whole foods and you know exactly what's going into that. And Miyoko, I know that you have a family and you were already pretty much eating vegan by the time you had your children. Is that correct? I was completely vegan by the time I had my children. Um, so I have three kids. My oldest is 24. Um, and I have to admit, when I first had him during my pregnancy, I you know, the doctor would say, oh, you shouldn't be vegan. I got a little scared because it's uh-huh. very, very hard to kind of overcome those fears that are so ingrained in us. And so there were, I think I probably had, I think I ate a little yogurt three or four times or something, thinking maybe I really do need to eat dairy. But um, my other two kids, who are now 19 and 20, I had, I, I was completely vegan, didn't have any animal products at all during their pregnancy um, nor while I nursed them. And, in fact, they're a year apart, and I was nursing one and pregnant with the other when um, the, the nurse um, called, the, the doctor called me and wanted me to have blood tests to make sure, because I was six months pregnant and I had refused to take any supplements, especially iron. Um, uh-huh. And so they wanted to find out whether, you know, they wanted to do a blood test and find out whether I had ample iron in my system. And I had... Way more iron. I, it was, you know, it was uh, like somewhat a, a male in their 20s or something. I had ample yeah. iron in my system. And, and the nurse looked at, or the a dietitian looked at me, and I had to sit with her. And she, she, she said, she said, um, four words. What do you eat? Oh that was gosh. all she could say. She couldn't, because I wasn't deficient in anything. Yeah. Um, and it was because. And I started, well, I ate, eat whole grains and lots of vegetables and I eat steamed vegetables and legumes. <laughs> and I just started, you know, so when you eat a whole foods plant-based diet, you're going to get more than your fair share of nutrients. Oh and my gosh. Have to spread around. So. And um, that, and the yeah. most amazing thing about that is you are just tiny and I can't imagine, you know, nursing and being pregnant. And, 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 oh, that, that is such a testament of eating a whole food plant-based diet. That's amazing. And isn't it frustrating though, what we have to do working with the, you know, medical professionals to prove that 
just eating really good food is really good for you. I mean, that's kind of sad, but true. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is really true. Yeah, it, it is. And, um, you know, Kaiser Permanente actually is now, um, they've got a plant-based program. They're actually recommending that to their patients. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my daughter's had um, a, plant, a vegan pediatrician. At, uh, so, um, and that was, you know, we didn't, we weren't looking for one. We just, we went to Kaiser and that was the, we were so thrilled. We walked into her office and she had a PCRM for food group. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's, I, I know I really, I really want to applaud Kaiser for what they're doing. And, and, you know, basically bottom line, you know, that bottom line is what they're looking at. I mean, they're looking at the cost of treating the uh, obesity and the di- diabetes problem that we have. And they're looking at them for their own bottom line, but who cares? Whatever the reason is, um, it's great. And, and it's, it's, it's now, and so your children then, they grew up eating vegan, and did they continue that into their adulthood? My daughters are vegan. My son is not. Yeah, those um, darn so boys. Anyway. Yeah, those darn boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, I guess, what you call a flexitarian. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, a lot of it is just environment. I, I know I mentioned before on one of my other shows, my hus- my daughter's husband, you know, was raised on a, a farm in Idaho and he grew up eating the meat that they raised. And it wasn't until they lived in China and Saudi Arabia and Spain that he was introduced to other food and he was introduced to the fact that uh, real men in other countries do not eat the meat the way they do in America, and it, it isn't isn't a sign of your masculinity. But, no, you know. absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I can't wait for your book to come out. I'm going to pre-order it, and I think that probably uh, check, check, check. I already have some um, birthday gifts taken care of because all my daughters and and daughter-in-laws and my mom are all going to get your cookbook. Um, it's oh, been such uh, oh, it's been such a pleasure talking with you today. And um, tell us again, just give everybody again the uh, way that they can get a hold of you and a little bit more information on what you've got coming up. Okay. Um, well, they can get a hold of me at miyokoskitchen.com, or I have another web, personal website, um, artisanveganlife.com, so they can reach out to me that way. Um, I try to respond to each and every email, so if you have any questions, please do that. And I hope that um, you'll all keep an eye out for my upcoming book, The Homemade Vegan Pantry, The Art of Making Your Own Staples, and um, possibly join me on the Tour of the vegan tour of Italy in July, July 18th to 25th with Vigano Italiano Festival or the Alaskan tour in September with Vegan Vacation at Sea. Um, it's been really wonderful talking to you, Renee, and, and thanks for um, having me on your show. Oh, it's such a pleasure. And I, uh, whatever it is you're eating, to have that much energy to do everything that you're doing, that should be a testament right there for everyone. So thank you for joining me today, and, and hopefully we'll have a chance to meet in person. Thank you so much, Renee. All righty. Bye-bye. Well, that was, that was just so fun. And um, Miyoko really, truly is the Energizer Bunny. And all of the people that I have encountered on my, on my journey to eat a plant-based diet, that's one of the things that I have been most impressed with was, um, the amount of energy, uh, we talked uh, a little bit in the beginning of the show. I talked about our mutual friend, Fran. Um, she as well is a, um, just a powerhouse. I mean, this lady is, is, I mean, she, she makes some 20 year olds look, you know, Still, the, the amount of movement that she has. And, um, Miyoko is the same way, just a powerhouse. And, you know, um, one of the reasons why I came to New York a year ago was to attend the Main Street Vegan Academy, which is run by Victoria Moran. And she's another example. I mean, late sixties, early seventies, uh, these people are amazing. And, you know, their skin just glows. They have all of this energy. Um, they're flexible, they're moving, and I, I can't help but attribute that to eating a whole food plant-based diet. Um, I love what Miyoko said about eating whole foods, and I know that a lot of people, Alicia Silverstone and her book, you know, they recommend if to, you know, whatever you need to do to transition to eating a plant-based diet. But I don't know if I agree with that. I think sometimes just jumping in with both feet rather than turning to um, vegan fake food to transition from your 
you know, standard American diet fake food, I don't know if that's really the transition that's going to get you to what you're doing, you know, uh, especially if you're, if you're centered on your health, then eating a whole food plant based diet is not only going to, um, give you the health benefits that you want, but it's also going to serve the purpose for whatever other reason you've decided to turn to a whole food plant-based diet, whether it's animal kindness or um, environmental issues, whatever those issues are, eating a whole food, whole food plant-based diet will get you, you know, to that goal. But we don't need to sacrifice our health uh, to also achieve those other goals. So I think we do need to go back to looking at making yourself a priority. You can't serve the other causes if you're not healthy. And substituting one fake food for another fake food is not really the answer. It really is turning to whole foods. And and I love um, with the Get Wasted program, as I mentioned, almost all of the meals that are on the program are make-ahead items. You can you could do a batch cooking on a Sunday night and have all of your food prepared for the week. Uh, the sauces, the the um, peanut sauce or the chicky baby seasoning that I was mentioning, those are all items that you make, you 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 watch them, you know, become in your blender and you know exactly what went into every single one of those items. Um, the chicky baby seasoning is just amazing and the uh, cheese recipe that we have on the get wasted program uh, it will turn anyone if they don't like broccoli and you pour that cheese over it it's it's wonderful and it's made with whole foods uh, Miyoko's cheese I think the uh, the possibilities are endless what you can do with that as well. And I really am looking forward to her cookbook because, you know, I think as Fran mentioned, Fran is a bakery chef. And, and, and I, I love the story that she tells about when her son said to her, you're not putting a birthday candle in a sweet potato. I want cake, you know. And I think that that's the reality. We all want a treat. And so to have a pre-made uh, cake mix on your pantry shelf, but that you know what the ingredients are. That's all we're looking for as mothers. Um, so I hope that you look up Miyoko. Just Google her. You'll find all of her, her kitchen and her blog and information on the, um, the tour of Italy. Uh, Fran Costigan, the bakery chef is also going to be on the tour, as she mentioned. And a lot of other great people are going to be on the tour. Sounds like so much fun. I'm trying to figure out how I can do this, uh, in July. We have so many things coming up with our family. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this, but, uh, that Alaska thing. I don't know. I might be able to pull that one off. So I'll have to go home and talk to my family about that. But in the meantime, I'm in New York City, folks. So we're going to wrap this show up because I've got some New York things to do. Uh, going to hit some Broadway. Going to finish up my fabulous uh, salad that I got at Blossom Du Jour a little bit ago. And uh, I got to get out there in the sun. It's cold, but it's beautiful. And I'm in New York. Come on. It's going to snow tomorrow. I don't care. I'm in the uh, the Big Apple, so that's all that's important. Uh, I really had a great time talking with all of you today. I hope you join me next week. And sometime, I don't know when, but you know what? Let's do lunch. 